Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first official podcast of the 2018-2019 season, the Flyer Buzz Training Camp Preview. I'm Brian Smith. We're joined by Bill Meltzer, and we are just about ready for hockey here in Philadelphia. In fact, as we, uh, uh, as you're listening to this, rookie camp has started. Uh, it gets underway uh, Monday the 10th, so it's uh, underway now, and the main training camp is coming up very quickly. And just like that, we're going to have exhibition games going on, uh, preseason action over the course of about two weeks. The Flyers will play eight preseason games, and then we will get going with the regular season, which is uh, less than less than a month away, really close to three weeks now. On October the 4th, the Flyers will open up the 2018-19 regular season on the road in Las Vegas against the Golden Knights, who of course were last year's uh, surprise franchise, and they will raise a Western Conference Championship banner prior to that uh, that opener. But there's a lot to be done before that. And, and Bill, I guess we'll start by talking a little bit about the rookie camp that's going on at Voorhees. It's a little bit of a different look. Uh, the Flyers have uh, a, usually a, a two- to three-day camp before the main camp where uh, some of the younger players get to come out and uh, perhaps uh, you know get a closer look at some of them without the shadow of the big uh, the big roster players there, and, and honestly, once training camp opens, it's a it's a huge number anyway. It's close to sixty people. Uh, it just gets kind of difficult maybe to uh, get a good look at everybody. So they they'll take a look at the younger guys first, and that will close with a rookie scrimmage uh, up in uh, New York at the Islanders practice facility, and then the, the main camp will get underway. So I guess to start, let's look at the rookie camp. What's what's going on there from the Roster perspective, and uh, you know, kind of uh, what the atmosphere is going to be like at Voorhees during this event. Yeah, as you were you were touching on, it's a little bit of a different feel this year, um, for, strictly because the, the Flyers have ten players playing NCAA collegiate hockey, so those guys aren't eligible to be there, um, both for academic reasons and also for NCAA eligibility reasons. Because once a player is under entry-level contract, he's no longer eligible to play collegiate hockey. So guys like Joel Farabee and, and Jay O'Brien and Jack St. Ivany and, you know, Wyatt Kalinick, those guys won't be eligible to be in camp this September. Um, Flyers also have uh, seven players playing in Sweden, two playing in Russia. Uh, the regular seasons are underway there or about to be underway. The Swedish season starts September 15th. So None of those guys will be there, including Felix Sandstrom, who's on, on loan to a Swedish team this year. Um, but that doesn't mean that there, there's not a lot of intrigue coming into camp this year. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, first off, it's Carter Hart's first ever pro camp where he knows he's going to be most likely with the Phantoms, but, uh, you know, but at the pro level this season. So it brings on a, a different level of pressure for Carter. Uh, German Rubsov's first pro camp. Uh, Pascal Laberge, Connor Bunneman, Carson Twerinsky, David Kasha. All those guys are, are playing their first ever pro camps. In Kasha's case, it's his first ever September camp in North America. So, you know, all those guys, uh, all those guys are have a little bit of a different experience um, this time around. Also, you know, last year the focus was so much on Nolan Patrick for understandable reasons, second overall pick. You know, everybody kind of knew he was going to make the NHL roster, so it was kind of an all-run-up for him and also coming off of surgery. You know, this year, a lot of eyes are going to be focused on, on Morgan Frost and Isaac Ratcliffe, and both those guys were, were at camp a year ago. Um, 
you know, and, and this year there's much more focus on those guys to be guys who, who step up to the plate and, and, you know, stand out in camp. Um, and then you also have guys who are, who are going to be, you know, in, in the main camp are going to be looking to either potentially be uh, in, in roster battle for an NHL spot if they really stand out. If not that, then at least, you know, at least potentially state a case for being call-ups into the season. Guys like Philippe Myers, uh, Misha Vorobiev, Nick Abe-Kubel, um, a guy like Cole Bardrow could be in the hunt, you know, for a call-up during the season. Mike Vecchioni. Uh, of course, the goalies, Alex Lyon and, and, and Anthony Solars, as well as uh, Carter Hart. So all those guys have something to play for in camp, you know, the, this week in rookie camp, the rookie game on the 12th, and then leading into the, the main camp. So I guess let's look a little more specifically at the, uh, the, the lineup situations the Flyers have to deal with. And first looking at the skaters, um, you know, the Flyers uh, are going to have – some openings in their in their NHL lineup this year. Um, they of course went out and signed James Van Riemsdyk uh, to uh, to be uh, you know one of the top wingers and uh, Christian Foline on the defensive side. But that was it as far as NHL free agent signings. And uh, Valtteri Filippo departed. A few other guys uh, on the way out. So uh, Ron Hextall appears to be leaving some space open for some of the young guys to move up on the forward lines. We've seen young guys moving up into the blue line uh, the last couple of years, and now it's the forwards' turn. Uh, where are the holes in the Flyers' uh, top four lines, and and who do you think is a contender to battle for some of those spots? Well, I think that the top six is is pretty well set with James Van Riemsdyk's arrival. Um, I would think going in camp, the question marks are third line center, um, you know, and, and who will play around the third line center. Uh, Ron Hexel several times mentioned Jordan Wheel as the as a leading candidate to potentially fill that role. So I think Jordan will will get a look in camp in the third line center role. Um, if, if you know if Jordan's competition would be guys like uh, Scott Lawton. Um, and Scott is also a candidate potentially to play wing as his, as his wheel. Uh, I think those two guys are, are in the hunt for that spot. Um, Vecchioni might be in the mix there to compete, possibly. Possibly even a guy like Vorobiev. Um, you know, because Vorobiev showed some promise as well in his first year with the Phantoms, and there, there's a lot of things that the organization likes about his two-way game. Even if not to start the season, heading in, because as you, as you mentioned last year, that was, that was Filpo's role. And who's going to take those minutes, you know, off of a guy like Sean Couturier, where you know Couturier is now the, playing on the first line, so you want offense out of him. You know, who's going to who's going to play some of the tougher minutes starting in the defensive zone? That's a that's a an open question. I mean, the Flyers want to have three bona fide scoring lines, and that's uh, kind of a necessity in today's NHL. So that that to me is question number one. You know, how does the third line shape up? Um, Oscar Lindblom, I think, has a an Good shot at making the team again. He, he showed promise during his call-up late in the season. I wouldn't quite call Oscar a lock to make the team, but I do think Oscar gets the first shot at being the, the third-line left winger. Um, you know, Wayne Simmons is looking for a healthy season. Obviously, everybody knows his contract situation as well, but the focus right now is on just getting Wayne ready to play and, and having, a, having a healthy season. Um, you know, that... Some some combination therein. Whoever the winner, whoever wins the center's role on that line, wheel, you know, um, Lawton or whoever, 
possibly possibly rather Lindblom on the left side, Simmons on the right. That might be how your third line looks. I, I think that um, in terms of the fourth line, that's uh, there there are possibly spots to be won. Possibly somebody could step up. The Flyers are definitely looking for uh, you know penalty killing help. Um, some of it's some of it's the personnel that's there has to do better. You know than a year ago there were. You know, there was some modest progress late in the season, but I do think that if somebody stands out in the penalty kill in training camp, um, you know, last year that was one of the ways that Taylor Lear won a job, and then he struggled during during the season and kind of ended up out of the mix. You know, he's a guy who's still competing for a job in one of those roles. Um, your your Laterra is still there, um, and you might see you might see some dark horse kind of guys. A, a guy like Cole Bardro might step up and compete for a job. So I think, you know, I think that your your competition is all in the bottom six there. Um, in the on the blue line, uh, I think the Flyers are pretty well pretty well set going into the season. Um, now, if Philippe Myers has a dynamic camp, maybe he could he could step in and and uh, push for an NHL job. Um, I think because he missed so much time due to injury, particularly in the first half of last season, um, he might get a little bit more seasoning at the American League level, and the Flyers would go with the uh, seven guys there. Um, to me, the, to me, the most intriguing thing in the blue line is can Travis Sanheim take a take a step up and take a bigger bite out of the out of the lineup, uh, taking on more minutes heading into the season. I think that's the the biggest question. And then secondarily, you know, Foline is there. Um, you know, I, I think that Rodko Gudas would be higher than him on the depth chart, and Foline being a, a right-handed shot, you know, kind of a physical guy. You know, Foline would be competing with a guy like Gudas or uh, or Robert Haig, possibly even for for playing time, or being the guy who steps into the lineup when their their injuries or or slumps, that kind of thing. Um, but otherwise, I think their the fires are pretty well set with those seven guys. Um, Samuel Moran is rehabbing a torn ACL, so Sam won't be back until the late part of the season. Um, you know, and there's no definitive scenario for Sam, but I think a, a, a very plausible scenario with Moran would be if he if he meets his timetable to get back, you know, to be cleared in mid to late February, then you might see Sam go to the be assigned to the Phantoms on a conditioning stint just to get some games in. And then after the NHL trade deadline, the rosters expand. Then you could see Sam in the in the Flyers NHL, you know, uh, roster mix there. And uh, and then we'll get to the you know, we'll get to the goalies. But uh, right now you have two veterans there in um, Brian Elliott and and uh, Michael Neuverth. And uh, you know I think it'll take a while for Lion to be in the mix. Maybe you know maybe a year or so. But uh, did I say did I say Alex Lyon? I meant Carter Hart. Okay. Um, and you know, Lyon is in the mix for a call up, and then you have Anthony Stolarz, who, who's trying to come back after missing most of last season due to injury. So there, there's kind of how the battle shape up. Now, one one little twist uh, that'll happen in camp is Sean Couturier is going to be out with uh, his, uh, his his knee injury, and and looking at the overall situation there, it looks like. He'll be back in time for the regular season, so his spot will be there. But just wondering your thoughts on who might benefit from uh, having that opportunity to showcase their skills in camp and uh, who, who fans might want to watch for in terms of a guy that could have a big camp and maybe move his stock up the uh, the ranks uh, because 
uh, Coots won't be there competing in the in the preseason. Uh, is that an opportunity for uh, for a Morgan Frost or some of these other younger uh, guys to to you know take that ice time during camp and uh, really uh, make the decision difficult for for Ron Hextall when it comes to setting his roster? Yeah, I, I would think that it would take two things for that to happen. Um, you know, and Coots should be back towards the latter part of camp. I mean, his injury is a six-week recovery timetable. Uh, it happened. It happened two weeks before you know it, it was announced that it was going to be a month. You know, looking from there, uh, Ron Hexall said that in the first half of camp, he's not going to play any games or, or be involved in any contact drills. But in the latter part of camp, he should be fully involved and get in a couple of preseason games heading into the season. So. That's kind of where he stands. I, I think that for a guy like Morgan Frost in particular to compete for a roster job this year, he would, A, have to have a tremendous camp. You know, like a, a couple of years ago, um, Travis Konechny led the team in scoring in the preseason, actually did it the last two seasons. But heading into his what became his rookie season, he led the team in scoring in the preseason. So, that you know, he had a, he had a great camp and, and showed that he was – probably ready for the NHL. I, I think Morgan would have to have a similarly excellent camp. But on top of that, I think you would have to see some of the guys who were in the in the hunt for the third-line center role. Again, we were talking about the wheels, the Lawtons, maybe Vorobiev. He'd have to outplay those guys too. And if those guys struggled and he had a great camp, then maybe you could see him in the NHL at 19. I, I still think the plan with Morgan is for him to play one additional season in the OHL with the Sioux Greyhounds, you know, hopefully play in the World Junior Championships or Team Canada, and then a year from now he'd be a guy in the, in the mix for an NHL job. So let's take a look now at the Flyers' blue line. Uh, obviously uh, a lot of young talent there uh, that has shown itself over the past couple of seasons, and now um, you're going to have the addition of Christian Foline, who most notably is a, is a right-handed shot. What do you think the Flyers' blue line looks like uh uh, you know, coming out of this summer, and specifically um, guys like um, like maybe an Ivan Provorov, who has you know just had a great first couple of years pro. Uh, this time last year, we were looking at Shane Gossesbear coming off a, a sophomore season that was a little bit um, you know below his rookie season, but it doesn't seem like Provorov has had that kind of uh, uh, situation to deal with, and now goes into a third year. What are you looking for from his game and? Uh, you know what's what's the blue line look like in general? Well, I I, I think Provorov will will continue to play a ton of minutes. Um, you know he had the he had the shoulder injury. Of course, the, the next the game five of the playoff series against Pittsburgh, and that was about an eight week injury there. So his his summer got off to a little bit of a later start um, than than it would most years. You know he's very intensive workout guy over the summer but he'll be he'll be in shape he's apparently 100 percent and should be fine for camp um you know I, I think he'll continue to lead the the flyers in in ice time um play in all situations play five on five uh second power play unit first penalty kill late game tied or tied or leading you know he'll continue to be he'll continue to be a, a key guy. I don't know if he's going to score 17 goals again this year, but I do think year in and year out he'll be a double-digit guy. And I'd even venture a prediction that 17 won't be his career high. Even if he doesn't do that this year, at some point he'll he'll exceed 17, maybe be a 20-goal guy. Who knows? Down you know as his career continues. But I think I think he's he steps in as the Flyers' number one all-around defenseman. 
Um, he showed a lot of chemistry with, with Shane Gossis Bear when they were put together as a pairing. I think that remains the top pairing heading into the season. Um, Ghost had a really strong season last year. Uh, unfortunately, not a great playoff series at all against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, that's something that, that as the spring rolls around, he'll want to uh, he'll want to improve upon. But I think that uh, the Flyers go in kind of knowing that's their top pairing. Um, as I was alluding to a little bit earlier, I think they want to see Travis Sandheim take on a bigger role with the team. And I think he takes on added importance this year as a guy who, if the blue line is going to reach its next level, he's he's the guy who this year has to step up. So, I, you know, I, I think that um, they have different options. They liked him with Andrew McDonald last year. Um, they were pretty effective together. But he also spent a lot of time together with Radko Gudis. Um, and I think that you may see him enter the season with Gudis as his partner on the right side, which would then put uh, McDonald together with Robert Haig. And again, with uh, Foleen competing, you know, either with, with Gudis as, as a right-handed physical penalty-killing type or, you know, possibly on the possibly pushing Haig for playing time um, alongside McDonald because I do think McDonald will remain a fixture in the top six. So I think that's kind of, you know, how the, how the personnel shakes out. And I kind of think, you know, the, the pairings are relatively clear-cut, although there could be some movement in the second and third pairings. And then you mentioned the goaltenders, and uh, the the situation there is obvious. The Flyers have still two veteran netminders uh, in the fold, Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert, and they have uh, at least two young guys knocking on the door, and Alex Lyon and perhaps Carter Hart, and then you still have Anthony Stolarz in there. We had uh, you know uh, Felix Sandstrom come over and have an impressive development camp. Um, what's your take on the the goaltending situation? Obviously, injuries. Uh, crop up in the course of a season most of the time, and that can change everything. But um, uh, you know, what, what's your take on uh, where the Flyers are right now and uh, what might uh, happen over the next six months in the crease? Yeah, I mean, you know, last year the plan going in was for a shared time arrangement with Brian Elliott and, and Neuwirth. Um, it really didn't end up working that way just because Neuwirth, and Neuwirth injuries are always a concern, but Neuwirth missed a lot of time with injuries, and what ended up happening was, uh, particularly as the Flyers were trying to pull out of that 10-game winless streak, they had to go with Elliott game after game after game after game. Um, I don't think that played any role in, in Elliott's um, injuries, sports hernia type of injury. Um, I, that had nothing, I really think, don't think that had anything to do with it, but I, I also don't think they wanted him playing so much in the first half of the season. I think they wanted a little a little closer to a little closer to 50-50. Uh, I, I think going in again that's the plan is to try to make it close to a 50-50 split. If if someone goes down, I think um, I think Alex Lyon is your first guy up and he showed some promise in his NHL starts um, and the and relief appearances as well last season in the latter half. So I think there's increased comfort in, in turning to Alex at the NHL level. If, if, if it comes to that. To me, the real intrigue is how Scott Gordon is going to work out the playing time at the AHL level, um, you know, with Carter Hart needing to play and, and Alex Lyon having played so well, especially during the especially during the playoffs last year. Um, you know, how, how does that work out? And with, uh, with, you know, obviously with Stolarz needing work as well, you know, three goalies, it's a little hard to work out a rotation there. It's going to be interesting to see how the playing time shakes out. And also, 
you know, does Carter Hart, because I do think going in, they're going to split time. You know, he'll, Carter Hart will split time with the vets. As the season goes along, does he step up and does he get a run of starts? Does he get four or five, six starts in a row? And I, and I think you would need to see that before a point where, you know, where Carter might be considered close to NHL, you know, close to playing in the NHL, whether that's, you know, the beginning of next year or the middle of next year. I don't know when that point will be. But I, I do think that that's the step up you're going to see with, with Hart, where he's, he's splitting time early, pushing to compete for more time with the Phantoms, and then the next step would be up to competing for time with the Flyers. So we've seen over the past few years the, the, the Flyers draft picks coming up and developing, and there's, all, there's a lot of talk about, okay, you come out of juniors, and now you go into playing against men, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the larger bodies, the, the guys that are more experienced. And we've seen the uh, you know the the forwards and defensemen that the Flyers have had do that. What is it for a goaltender? Do you think what's Carter Hart facing here as he goes into his first pro season, having just dominated junior hockey really like nobody has before in in Canada? Um, you know, just uh, going in there and 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 shutting the door on everything coming at him. Um, what what do you think his adjustment period is going to be like uh, in the American Hockey League? Well, I think that uh, you know all goalies when they when they get to the pro level, plays develop faster. So reading the play, puck tracking is crucial uh, for all goalies, but especially for one like Carter, who by by today's standards is a strictly average size goalie. He's not one of those gargantuan guys, you know, the six six guys you see. Uh, he's listed at six foot two, um, which isn't small, but it isn't big either by today by today's standards. Um, tracking the puck through traffic um, is going to be a big thing. So many goals in the NHL are scored that way. Um, you know, Carter's not really a, a butterfly goalie. He's more of a, a blocking type goalie, playing the angle, getting his body in front of it, deadening the puck and preventing rebounds. Um, but, you know, one of the things with, it, with every goalie is he gets to the, to the pro game, it's going to be a test of the AHL level. It'll be especially a big test of the NHL level is uh, – Remaining patient, not committing yourself, not getting yourself out of position, um, limiting the number of rebounds you give up. Carter's good at that at the junior level, but different shooters um, in the pro game. Um, he's going to be tested upstairs quite a bit, especially because he's not, you know, he's not the biggest goalie, as, as I was saying. And just just making sure that he has the post sealed off, going side to side, all these things he's going to get tested on pretty quickly. And the other thing. Um, and I think this is one of the things that is a hopeful sign for his um, development period to be a relatively quick one is that the mental aspects of goaltending, you know, is always a challenge as you're moving from the junior level to the pros. How do you react after a, a bad goal or a bad game? How do you react when you get jostled around the net? You know, because a lot of times, um, you know, the, there's a lot, of, a lot of physical play around the net, and there are rules to protect goalies. But still, goalie comes out the challenge. He's gonna he's gonna get jostled. And how does he how does he deal with it? How does he he, he react after a goal gets scored on him in that kind of situation? I mean, he's a very competitive guy. I'm not too worried about those things. But those are still all hurdles he's gonna be tested on. Has to clear. I think one thing he does have going for him as well is the fact that he's played a lot of hockey in the last few years, especially as teams have gone on playoff runs and he's played in World Juniors and stuff and. He also, you know, despite having uh, dominated his league so much, he has had to face some adversity in uh, in the in the World Juniors. He's uh, 
had the experience of going in as a starter and losing the job and then earning it back. And uh, I'm hoping you know, we, we would think that that would uh, translate uh, over to the pro level as far as uh, you know something that he's had experience with. And uh, you know, it's not like he's going to be coming in and having won everything for uh, you know three straight years, and now all of a sudden has uh, finds himself in the middle of the pack, so to speak. Yeah, and I, I would add two things to that. You know, it was it was two years ago where he uh, was kind of the starter, lost the job, got it back again in the latter part. Last year he was the, you know, the undisputed starter, and he was going to be the guy all the way and won the gold medal. But he did have that experience of having been displaced, you know, for for a job competing. He was kind of a one A one B scenario. His his first year in the World Juniors, and you know, he did well. He he actually outplayed. Felix Sandstrom head-to-head in a game where he came in in relief and um, pitched a shutout in that game, got Canada to the gold medal game. And then, of course, they got to a shootout with Team USA, and the only goal he gave, you know, he gave, well, he, in, in the shootout he gave up was just, was just one. Uh, and, uh, you know, unfortunately for him and for Canada, that was that was enough for the Americans to win was the one shootout goal. But um, I, I think that, uh, you know, last year he had the experience. He, he got a late start due to a bout with mono. And so he's coming in, he's coming in in a, in a new system, new coach, very different kind of a coach, diff, very different kind of a system. And uh, that's a good experience, you know, we, to take into the pros. So he came in with a little bit of a disadvantage, and he never skipped a beat, Brian. I mean, he came in and he dominated all season long. Um, the system that he played in, in in Everett previously was a very goalie-friendly system. Their coach had been uh, former NHL coach Kevin Constantine, and they played a very defensive-oriented style. Um, last year, it was opened up a little bit, but they actually reduced their goals against average over the best previous season. So it's all it's all good stuff. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know I think Carter has to take what he learned there and, and keep working on his game. But as I was saying, he's a very mentally mature kid, so. I think he'll be ready to go. So to kind of uh, get us close to wrapping this up, let's look at the schedule here. The Flyers, again, play eight preseason games. Uh, it is a, a very front-heavy schedule. They play four games and four nights to start their preseason slate. And essentially what happens at this point of the, of the preseason is that you know, you've got, again, close to 60 guys in camp, and they'll have uh, – You'll have a group that plays in uh, one game, and then the next night it'll be a whole different group that plays in the next game. That's why you can play four games in a row like that during training camp. Uh, and then they'll, uh, you know, they'll have a break. They'll be able to trim the roster a little bit, have a couple of more uh, exhibition games, and then the the Flyers will, uh, as they have the last few seasons, I believe, uh, conclude their season on the road in Boston in a situation where where Dave Haxtall likes to take the team into a, a regular season mode. As uh, as far as you know, traveling up the day before, getting a morning skate in um, during uh, a lot of times during the preseason, teams will travel the day of the game, especially if it's a close game, and that's what all the Flyers games are, except for Boston. Um, obviously, the first few games are going to be uh, where the, uh, the 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 Flyers are looking at uh, combinations, looking at maybe specific people, trying to decide roster spots. So, uh, how do you see the the preseason playing out as far as um, you know what fans will see in terms of roster decisions, and when the Flyers maybe start testing combinations, seeing how different players fit together, things like that. Yeah, I think for the the first few games, um, usually what you'll see is 
the veteran, you'll see more of the veterans in the home games, more of the kids and, and minor league bound guys, um, you know, when they're on the road. Um, that's that's typically the way that it goes. There's, a, of course, a minimum number you have to dress who played last season. But I, I think that's what you'll see early on. Um, you'll see more of the guys bound for the Phantoms or going back to junior hockey or whatnot. They'll, you'll you'll see them in the early games. Um, usually you start seeing some major cutdowns after the game in, in Allentown. A lot of the guys who are going to be staying there will be playing in that game as long, along with, you know, some of the Flyers' familiar names. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be there as well. And then, you know, then at that point, as you start seeing the numbers dwindle down, that's really where you, you take a look at the, the line combinations and, you know, how, uh, how specialty teams are, are starting to shape up a little bit. You want to, you know, it doesn't always translate, but you want to see a little bit of a ramp up uh, heading in. Things are typically pretty sloppy early on, and, and special teams are kind of catch as catch can. You know, you don't even worry about that in, in the first half of camp. Really later on is where you start to look for okay, or some of the some of the details coming together, and that's where also you get a you get a sense as to who will be playing together, who uh, who's not having a very good camp. You know, you, you sometimes uh, sometimes the guy is playing a, a whole lot. It's not always the best thing, but it, it's a continued chance to to push for a roster spot. And also, you know, if a guy's playing a lot of converse, it could also mean that uh, he's being seriously, you know, in, in the mix for a spot. I, I think that. I think that in the latter half of camp is where you see some of the guys who are on the bubble a little bit. They really have to step up to get jobs. The guys like the, uh, you know, like Taylor Lear, for example, he's going to have to have a good camp to, to get on the roster. I think that um, Oscar Lindblom comes in with a with a job to lose, but I think Oscar's going to have to have at least a decent camp to, to you know, to be in the opening night roster. So I think uh, I think in the second half is really where you start to look at those battles. And finally, you mentioned the Phantoms and that uh, a lot of guys will stay up there after the game in Allentown. Uh, what's your thoughts on the outlook there? Uh, what else has happened around the American Hockey League this year? Obviously, the Phantoms are coming off a trip to the uh, AHL's Eastern Conference Finals. It's the longest playoff run that they have had since they won the Calder Cup back in 2005. So obviously, things have been going well down there, and uh, you know they're going to get uh, a few... Uh, new bodies in, in Carter Hart and uh, you know some of the uh, other guys that are coming off of their junior careers. Uh, what what are you looking for at, at that level? And uh, obviously the Flyers looking to to breed players in a in a winning environment. Um, you know what what do they have to do to be successful there? Well, I think that the Phantoms. You know, so often the AHL you see a lot of turnover from year to year. The Phantoms actually have a lot of continuity, and not just not just in the coaching staff with, with Scott Gordon and Kerry Huffman, but also in the veteran leadership group. Um, those guys are still together. Most of the veterans are back. Um, you know, so I, I think that that, that you know, guys like uh, Colin McDonald, although he's on an AHL deal, not an NHL deal, their captain is still there. Uh, T.J. Brennan is still there. Phil Veroni was the AHL MVP a year ago. Greg Carey is still there. So all those guys who were who were key players in there among among the veterans are still there as well. Um, you know, a lot of the younger guys are, are pushing for NHL call-ups, which is always great motivation as well. And uh, you know, you mentioned Carter Hart. Uh, Rubsov is a former first-round pick. Uh, Pascal Laverge is a former second-round pick, and those guys are are looking to prove something as pros. Um, their development curve has maybe not been as rapid and as would be in a best case scenario, but those are a couple of talented players who are coming in. 
Uh, Connor Bonneman was the captain of his junior team. Um, he's coming off of an injury this summer. Uh, Kasha is coming over for his first season in North America. So there, there's a lot of hungry young guys, and, and then you have the guys who, you know, the, the Abe Kubels who are pushing to make that next step up, the Vorobievs, and then you have your veteran core. So I think that, once again, the Phantoms are going to be right at the top uh, of the Atlantic division. And then we'll see, you know, then you'll see how things shape up in playoff time. But I certainly think they're once again one of the top teams in the in the Eastern Conference, and again a contender for the for the Calder Cup. Last year they uh, ran into to an outstanding Toronto team that was just a little bit better than they were. Um, you know that series that series, although they were swept, if you look at that series, three of those four games the Phantoms either led or were tied going into the third period, and they just didn't get the job done, but it, but it wasn't as it wasn't as lopsided as sometimes a sweep would leak. look. Only one of those games was a blowout loss, and I think they're right in the mix again. All right, well, a lot to look forward to, and we will uh, end this one here. But we've got more of these coming up over the next uh, few days. We'll keep you up to date on everything going on in Flyers training camp, Bill. I'm assuming you're going to have uh, some uh, stuff going up on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, seeing a lot of that over the next couple of weeks. But looking forward to it. Yeah, we have a lot, of, a lot to look forward to. You know, hockey is finally here. It took, <laughs> felt like forever. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Bill, and we thank all of you for joining us as well here on this season opening podcast, uh, preseason opening podcast, we'll call it here, on Flyer Buzz. We have uh, lots planned for you here for this upcoming season uh, here on the podcast page, Flyers Radio 24-7. Stay tuned for information on all of that as we develop here over the course of the preseason. We will have uh, all the games for you right here uh, on uh, Flyers Radio 24-7. 97.5 The Fanatic will carry all the preseason games, so you can follow along there. And we're going to have some TV. Well, the uh, the three home games in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center will all be televised uh, by the NBC Sports Network on NBCSP+. And then uh, there will be some other telecasts as well that we expect perhaps to show up on NHL Network. But uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com will be your source for all that tune-in information as these games approach here in just about a week's time. The NHL's preseason schedule will be underway. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy training camp and enjoy following along with us here at Flyers Radio 24-7 and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. I'm Brian Smith. We will talk to you soon.